This is a bonus episode of the podcast PCT Then and Now. We're going to hear the full story of the legendary trail angels Donna and Jeff Softly in their own words. I hiked the PCT in 2002 with my girlfriend Liz, and at 8.15 on the evening of Sunday the 19th of May, we walked into Hiker Heaven in Agua Dulce. What we found was a guest house, some trailers, a load of tents, and two lovely people. Donna handed us spare clothes and took ours to wash. We had a comfy bed in their trailer. They'd even bought an old Jeep for hikers to use around town or to head into Los Angeles for medical issues or urgent hiking equipment. The Softleys have now moved on, but not without securing their place in PCT history. I had asked Donna to tell me her story, but as she explained, everyone wants to hear it. So to save repeating herself, she gathers all the hikers together and holds court. This is an almost unedited version of Donna's tale. Everybody, if you're going to tell people how you got started, everybody pull in chairs, do whatever you can. The story's long. Can I record it? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to have Jeff. Jeff there. Jeff, Jeff will be here. You do this every night, do you? How we got started? Uh, not every night, thank goodness. But there's a chair here. This is a cool chair. Cool chair. Cool chair, empty. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, several of you have asked us how we got started doing this. Yeah, you have to sit over here. Is this your spot? We didn't save it. It is. It's a campfire. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> That's a first toe. <laughs> he had the lighter going. <laughs> that is too funny. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, and I'm sorry you don't all have seats. If some of you would sacrifice the pillows, the cushions from behind here, they might be able to throw those over there. They don't need to be comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is like way cush. I don't know. How many do we have? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen. Seventeen. Nowhere near the record. Andrew's out there and Tim's out there. What's Andrew doing? Oh, he's heard it out there. And Tim's heard it already. Okay, those two have heard the story. What's the record? Well, uh, between 35 and 40. Wow. We we didn't all sit in here to tell the story. We had to be out there. Well, as it goes, what's really funny about this is like everything that we've done here has evolved over time. And there there's like a reason why everything is the way it is. And this story thing has, has evolved right along with it. And um, it's become a... Uh, a real tradition to tell the story so every group before they go has to hear it and uh, you know it's just a lot easier for us to gather everyone together than to try to tell this to each and every person who asks us so without any further ado the story um, back in uh, May 31st of 1997 um, something very unusual happened in my life and Tom was gone for the weekend to his dad's, which was commonplace. That happened pretty much every other weekend. Uh, but what was really kind of weird was that Jeff was headed to a bachelor party. Now, we're not really in the age where you go to a lot of bachelor parties, so this was kind of a big event. And, uh, huh? Yeah, basically. Fogies. Um, so, <laughs> enough out of you over there. Um... And it was strange because I travel a lot for business, but typically he's home. 
And uh, so this is the first time I'm going to be home alone. It's a Saturday night. It's a balmy May evening, far from what we have tonight where it's quite cold. It was a very warm. We had a very hot May that year. And um, so here I am on Saturday evening. He's taking off. Well, the Jeep was in the shop. He took the wagon. So I was carless, essentially, here at home. And so I thought, oh, great. I'll call my girlfriends. I'll find something to do at Saturday night. Surely somebody will be able to go out. So I, I made the rounds down the list. Nobody's available to go out with me. It's, it's like being a teenager on a Saturday night. It was, I was quite forlorn. I wanted to do something fun. So I thought, okay, I'm not sitting around here and uh, doing nothing on a Saturday night on a beautiful evening like this. So there was a powwow down at Vasquez Rocks. And I thought, I'll go to that. That'll be perfect. I'll have entertainment. There'll be food. Probably see some of the neighbors. This is going to be great. So I go down there. I walk down, and I will tell you that I was really proud of myself for walking from here to Vasquez Rocks. You have to know that. That was before I knew about all this. But I walked. And uh, I went down there, and it was probably around 6 when I left here. So it was still light. And uh, I got down to the rocks, and only to find out that they weren't going to be able to stay open. They couldn't get uh, an insurance permit to stay open uh, for the evening, and there wasn't going to be any food either. So I was kind of bummed on both counts, but I watched the end of the ceremony. If you've never been to a powwow, they're absolutely beautiful to watch, and it, it was really neat. So I um, watched this thing, and when it was all over, I sort of walked out with the crowd and thought, okay, what am I going to do? I'm hungry, and I don't want to go home and eat some pathetic TV dinner all by myself, alone on a Saturday night. That would have just been like, you know, salt in the wound. So I thought, okay, well, I, I, I'll at least, I'm not afraid to eat by myself in a restaurant. I'll go to the, the restaurant here and have something to eat. So I went in the pizza place, which was under different ownership, different configuration. It's not the same one we have there now. It's the guy in Acton I send everybody to. So um, I go in there and look at the menu, order some chicken, and I'm kind of just sitting in there. with no, Nobody else is in the place. And in walks this couple. And I kind of went, aha, I know what they're doing. And it's, it's funny because I had some vague background knowledge about the PCT. I'd read a blurb maybe in 77, something like that. I think when uh, they completed the trail and there was something in the paper and I read it. And I just kind of filed a mental note. Uh, but I really didn't know what was going on here in town. And we had both seen hikers in town and didn't know what they were doing. I thought they'd wandered away from Vasquez Rocks, you know, like they were hiking and just came into town for a snack. And Jeff thought they were bums. So, <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah, which is probably more likely the story. So, you know, but just a few months prior to that, we'd been mountain biking up in the San Gabriel's up in the Pacifico area. And we came across one of the trail markers there, and Jeff recollected that there had been this big spread that they'd run in the Los Angeles Times sports section about this sport that you guys were doing, this through-hiking mm -hmm. thing, where you're doing marathons every day, mm -hmm. and, and then some, and you're carrying your packs, and 
you know, it's just this arduous uh, task, this journey that you're on and, and the physical challenge of it. And we were, so he's telling me all about how amazing this is what you're doing. And we're talking about it going, God, you'd never know. You know, when there's a marathon, people line the streets and give people water and goo and all sorts of things. And, you know, here you guys are coming into town and we all think you're bums. So, you know, nobody talks to you. In fact, I'd literally seen women grab their children and pull them away from the hikers. So anyway, um, so now this couple walks in and I'm going like, aha. I know what they're doing. You know, I have a little bit of inside scoop that these guys are probably hiking this trail that he's telling me about. So, you know, I'm sitting there. And the place, the restaurant is honestly, it's no bigger than this space here in the living room. Not even the kitchen. It's it's just really small. So, you know, I have nothing better to do. It's Saturday night and I'm eavesdropping on everything that's going on. So the couple comes in and they start asking Russ behind the counter, hey, have you seen these three guys? They start, you know, there's three hikers, backpacks, you know, no, nobody's seen these guys. So they're very bummed out. They were really hoping to meet up with their friends and, and uh, didn't know what to do. So they talk amongst themselves and they decide to order up a pizza. So they order this pizza and... Uh, while they're waiting for their pizza, they go back. Now, I'm sitting where I can see down the hall. They go back to the bathroom, and I can see down the hall where they're going. And uh, they must not have needed to use the facilities because they didn't close the door. So I can see what they're doing in there, and they're washing up. The sink is right there in plain view for me. And they're not, like, washing up like normal people, okay? <laughs> they're washing up. And, I mean, you know, just trying to say. And I'm looking at this girl, and thinking that girl really needs a bath I have to tell you she looked like she'd fallen into a patch of poison oak I mean her legs were just all the way up and down she was all scratched up they were filthy and I do mean filthy it'd been 11 days they hadn't had a shower since Big Bear so it was a long way to go without a shower which I all came to find out after the fact so um, you know, there they are, they're washing up and I'm just frankly appalled at what they're doing. You know, I'm looking at this just going, oh my God. Uh, you know. So they finish up with their little chore in there and, uh, I'm thinking this is just not going to cut it. That girl really needs like a bath. This is not good enough. So they come out and right about the time they're coming out of the bathroom, the three guys have been in the Mexican restaurant and they walk past the window and there's this big like, oh, thing going on. And the three guys come piling in the restaurant and, uh, oh, they're just so happy to see each other. And they start having this conversation. Now, I've heard this conversation to say hundreds of times is not exaggerating since then. But this is the first time I'm hearing a conversation like this. Oh, we knew you were ahead of us. We saw your drags. I'm like, tracks, okay? <laughs> they watch each other's tracks, all right? They wash in sinks, they watch for tracks. This is different. So they're all, they're so happy. Yeah, where were you? You must have been pulled over camping. We passed you. Oh, blah, blah, blah. this conversation's going on. So where did you guys camp? That must be how we missed you, this whole deal. So, you know, I have nothing better to do than to listen to every word, so this is great. So they all sit down, and they're talking, and they're carrying on and having this wonderful time. Now, by now, it's dark has fallen, and their conversation turns to, where are we going to stay? And so they said, oh, well, 
you know, God, Vasquez Rocks was really cool, but you can't stay in there. You have to have a permit. And I'm thinking to myself, that really stinks. You know, why can't you camp in Vasquez Rocks? They should have it all set up for you guys. It's a county park, for crying out loud. But I guess you're supposed to have a permit. You have to ask in advance, yada, yada, yada. So I'm, I'm just thinking this is really not right. I'm going to talk to somebody about that. But so they turned to me quite innocently and say, do you know where we could stay? I'm thinking, yeah, there's a little motel down on Sierra Highway. Well, these guys get overjoyed. I mean, talk about a little bit of information, just like sending somebody through the roof. Really? It wasn't in the town guide? There's a motel? Oh, they're going on and on. Then they ask me, well, how far is it? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not good at this, but I'll do my best. It's, I don't know, six or seven miles, you know, and their faces just began to melt. Like, oh. <laughs> I had no idea what I was saying to them, you know. It's like you've hiked all, how many miles? 11 days, no shower, another six or seven miles to maybe get a motel room. So they're just like completely dejected. So they turn back mm -hmm. to each other. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm a mature woman. I can do what I want. I live there in this house, and if I choose to let people come and stay there, I can do this. I'm a big girl. So I figured he's probably going to call me. I'll tell him what's going on. He'll be fine with it. So say, all right, you guys, I know where you can stay. And they're like, really, where? Well, I have this little guest house. It's not much, honest, it's not. But you're welcome to stay there. Oh, my God, thank you so much, you know. Like, okay, okay, you know. So right about then, the pizza comes up. And so there's this little talk about, well, what should we do? Should we eat here, blah, blah, blah. And we thought, no, we'll just we bring the pizza up to the house and everybody can get started. But there's five of them. And uh, so they can get started with their showers, whatever, laundry. You know, they were just, oh, my goodness, these people. If people could die of gratitude, hikers would be dead. That's it. <laughs> So the pizza comes up, and we say, okay, well, we're going to eat it up here. So I say to Russ behind the counter, Russ, can I borrow one of your hot sacks? He says, sure. So I said, look, if I don't bring this back by 5 o'clock tomorrow, I just want mm -hmm. you to remember who you saw me leave with, okay? Just remember <laughs> these faces. <laughs> All right? Because you may be the last person to see me. Right. <laughs> right. Just remember, so, you know, it's five guys and this girl. And if it wasn't for Sarah and her bad legs and needing a bath so bad, this never would have happened. But I'm thinking, you know, it's all I could think in my mind. This girl, how sad. She's bathing in the sink at the pizza place, you know. And, and so uh, if it had been five guys, it wouldn't happen. So you have a little twist of fate there to, to be grateful for. So... We tromp up the hill, we got the pizza sack, and we're talking away, and we get up here, we throw it down on the table, show them where the showers are, I get Sarah going in my bathtub, which made me feel good. They got found the, you know, the laundry, they found the records, oh, they're so happy, oh, music, you know, <laughs> you, you, Mary, you know, so happy to have music, and, uh, so it's just all going great. I'm sitting out there like my boring Saturday night just like improved a hundredfold. So I'm ha I've got company. I'm having fun. This is different. And I ask them every stupid question that someone who knows nothing about the trail asks. You know, I guess the AT, they have a shirt with all the answers because they're just such common questions. So I'm asking all these. 
So listening and talking, whatever, just the night's passing. It's just wonderful. Well, it gets to be late. It's about midnight. He never called. I decide, okay, i got to go to bed, you guys. But carry on. You're not going to bother me. I run a fan. I won't hear you. Just, you know, have fun out here. So I go in and very discreetly, because I didn't want to hurt their feelings, because they seemed pretty nice, but I, I discreetly locked every door and window in the house. <laughs> locked tight. Because you know? I don't know. You know, I'm kind of scared still. They seem nice enough, but who knows what happens after I go to sleep. So I finally uh, nod off after midnight sometime. And that's where my part of the story ends temporarily and Jeff's begins. So, <laughs> so anyways, it's about 2 o'clock at this bachelor party. And I'm thinking to myself, geez, you know, I don't want to sleep here with a bunch of drunken guys tonight. So <laughs> I'm going to drive home tonight and go to sleep in my own bed. And I get on the freeway and I throw the car in cruise control. That's his Anyway, <laughs> so she says. Um, so I get home around 2.30, quarter to 3 in the morning. And then go to the front door. The front door is locked. And I have no keys because we don't the we door. don't lock the doors. I have no idea where the keys are. So okay, well I go around the back. I'm thinking to myself, you know, Donna's scared tonight. It's the first time I'm away from home for the first time, and she's locked the doors like a good girl. And uh, so I'll go around the back door, check the back door. Well, the back door is locked. The garage is locked. And I'm just figuring, well, you know, the windows are locked too. <laughs> so I'm standing at the front porch and I'm scratching my head and I look over at the guest house and I go, geez, well, I'll sleep in the guest house tonight. I'll just see her in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking toward the guest house here and at that time it was just that little step light, that little small wattage lamp that just kind of illuminates the steps right there. And it was a dark evening. And I'm walking toward the uh, guest house and I'm focusing straight ahead because I was, you know, that's what they tell you to do when you're intoxicated. To, to <laughs> straight ahead. And I'm looking at the trailer and I see these black lumps against the trailer and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, what has Donna been doing? She's been doing some late spring cleaning or something. I, you know, what has she been up to? I had no idea what they were. They were backpacks. So... I uh, come into the, st the sliding glass door here, and I'm walking toward the back bedroom, which is where I chose to sleep. And I look over to the couch there, to the right, and there's a black lump on the couch. And I'm thinking to myself, geez, Donna's been really... What has she been doing? I mean, what's, been co what's going on? Because it wasn't like that when I left. And all of a sudden, it moves. <laughs> and, of course, I'm startled. I have no idea who this is, what's going on. It's almost 3 o'clock in the morning. There was nobody there when I left. And I blurted out pr fairly loud, you know, I went, who in the hell are you? <laughs> and there was a, sh a short lull there, and the response was, who in the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> so there I am, 3 o'clock in the morning, having a conversation with a black lump on the couch. <laughs> And I say, well, I'm Jeff, and I, I live here. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm Jeremy. Didn't Donna tell you we're through hikers? And she said we could stay here for the evening. And at that time, it, it immediately dawned on me what Donna had done, that she had invited these hikers up. Because we talked about you know, bringing some up for lunch and introducing ourselves and getting to know them and everything. 
So it dawned on me immediately what she had done, and I just kind of apologized, and I said, well, you know, I'll see you in the morning and you know, get your sleep. So I go back out the sliding glass door, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, geez, I have nowhere to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the window over here with our bedroom window, and I just kind of rap on the window. <laughs> well, you know, after I peeled myself off the ceiling, because I'm thinking... What do they want? <laughs> Why didn't they just come to the door? <laughs> I'm thinking they've got the house surrounded and they're banging on the windows. You know, I have no idea what's happening. So, you know, he, he, he's talking like, Donna, it's me. Let me in. You know. <laughs> so finally I realize it's him. It's not them. I'm not being attacked. And uh, <laughs> so I, I let him in and we sat on the sofa and he was just so glad that I'd taken in the hikers thing. <laughs> if it had been five guys I might have had a harder time explaining myself but it was Sarah and her legs and uh, so we, we talk for a while and finally we go to bed so we sleep in in the morning and we get up I don't know it was 8, 8.30 something like this and I, we have no idea as far as we figured you all left before dawn you know we thought oh well, they might not even be here anymore I wonder you know they might have got scared or something and left so we, we look out the window. We're peeking out our front window. You know, are they there looking to see? And we finally see some movement out here. And us, oh, okay, they're still there. They're still there. And right about then, the guys come out to make breakfast. Now, the, the Sarah and Todd, were they were both very tall. And it must have been Todd that was coming out because he was sitting on the porch there. And he's this big guy like Andrew, just this huge guy sitting on the porch. And he's got this little stove about this big and a pot about that big. And he's like this enormous guy over this little tiny pot. <laughs> and he's stirring it like this. And I'm just thinking, this is really pathetic. Look at that, you know. How sad, you know. That's not good. So we just like, oh, we better feed them, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So he just starts making breakfast. Jeff loves to make breakfast anyway, so he just started. I mean, we brought out stacks of pancakes and bowls of eggs and toast and salsa. And, I mean, we just bringing out trays of food, and these guys, our eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger. They couldn't believe what was happening to them. So we all sat out. There was a beautiful morning, June 1st, and just absolutely glorious. And uh, so we're sitting out there. We're talking, eating, just having this grand time. And so they tell us, they said, you know what this is? This is trail magic. And we're like, really? (laughs) (laughs) And you could feel it. You could, we were part of it. You know, and there's nothing quite like, I wish we could always make it the first time, every time, because it's just such a cool feeling when it happens. And, you know, go, wow, it's really neat. And then they cinched the deal for all hikers to come. And they said, and you guys are trail angels. (laughs) And something inside of me, this little voice went, yeah, that's what I am. It's just like, I knew. We we just looked at each other. It wasn't, we didn't have a conversation. We didn't say, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start this. It was just like, agreed just then and there that this is what we were going to do. So we went down right away, put our information in the trail register. We got about 30 that uh, season. We had a big southbound season uh, that same year, about 24, which is a huge southbound season. We haven't seen as big a one yet. And um, 
then they gradually built. I think we had about 80 the next year, then mm -hmm. 232, twice in a row, 205 last year. So we're somewhere in the ballpark, we figure, of about a thousand hikers that we've had. Definitely we've exceeded a thousand by now. Yeah. And uh, I really didn't keep the best of records in the beginning. And with all those people coming and staying, we had the record is 10 days that someone without an injury stayed. <laughs> and <laughs> this is a black hole that you can get sucked into. Um, we have never once, not one problem. We've never had to ask anybody to leave. We've never had to ask anybody to stop doing anything. It's just been, I got mildly annoyed a couple times, I will admit. And there's been a few that I would like, oh, good, you're leaving, bye. <laughs> Have a great hike. You know? And others, it's like, please don't go. You know, you just get so attached to people. And you know this from experience, that you can talk to somebody on the trail for 15 minutes and be lifelong friends. It's just like that. It's something very strange that happens. And it's just been an incredible experience, and we're just going to keep doing it. So that's how we got started. It was really kind of ironic. And now I have to tell you, there's another side to the story that isn't ours, and that belongs to two of the hikers we've stayed and friends with of that first, first group. One is Jeremy, and one is Nestor. And Jeremy manages the North Face in Seattle. And uh, so if you're ever up that way, just stop in, ask for Jeremy, and then say, who the hell are you? <laughs> and he'll immediately know that you've been through here yep. and that you're a PCT hiker. Um, and then Nestor. Now, as it went on their end of the story, Jeremy, sleeping on the sofa, woke up disoriented. He said, you know, you wake up in a different place every day. It takes you mm. a little bit to figure out, you know, where you are. And like, okay. You know, so he was just waking up and there was just enough light and it was shining on the tree. And as he looked through, there was all these straight lines and he thought that he was in the forest. And he thought Jeff was this AT hiker. He's actually a triple crowner named Wolf. Some, a lot of long distance hikers is well known in the long distance hiker community. And Wolf had this habit of getting up in the wee hours and hiking solo in the middle of the night and nobody would ever see him. That's the name. You know, so he was very elusive, like the wolf. So Wolf was on the trail that year and had already signed through the register. So Jeremy thought he was catching a glimpse of the elusive wolf. So <laughs> when this "Who the hell are you?" thing began, he's like, "Wait a minute, you're not Wolf. Then who the hell are you?" You know, was, was his deal. Now, poor Nestor, who was on the futon, which I think was in the middle bedroom, had been awake through the whole thing. He had slept much lighter. And he'd actually heard Jeff come home, heard him try the doors, and Jeff was apparently muttering the whole time, which doesn't surprise me. He's a mutterer. <laughs> so she's locked the door. Go around the side. Oh, what the hell's she been doing? What's all this stuff? You know. So he's saying all these things that he's telling you. He was saying it aloud. And uh, so, you know, Nestor's laying there hearing all this, and oh my God, he's coming in here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he comes in the door, and Nestor's thinking, we're going to have to run for our lives. Grab your gear and run. We're having to get out now. So anyway, he's come back and visited. We've gone up to see Jeremy up at uh, up in Seattle, and I did just that. I, I surprised me. He didn't remember, uh, you know, our appearance. So we get this guy to come out. He was on a break, and so he comes out, and he's sort of disgruntled because we've interrupted his break, and he's around the store who needs help. And I go, 
who the hell are you? <laughs> He's like, oh, God, it's you. <laughs> so we've managed to stay in touch with those two. The other three, there was uh, Sarah and Todd, were that initial couple, and this kid, Andrew, who was 18 years old, out hiking the trail. And uh, we, we didn't stay in communication with those guys, but uh, we, have, we have with the others. Yeah. A thousand hikers, no problems. It's the most amazing thing. This is really incredible, which is truly a testimony to what the through hiker community mm-hmm. is all about. Yeah. My brother was here for three weeks. I thought I would kill him. <laughs> so, <laughs> out, out forever, ever. No, you can't come back. <laughs> no, there's an addendum story to the how we got started story. And uh, you guys inspired us. We, everybody says, have you hiked the trail? No, we've never hiked the trail. We didn't even know that the trail came through here until all this went down. And, uh, but we got really inspired by what you were all doing. And we wanted to go up Mount Whitney. I tried it once and didn't make it. So it was a grudge peak for me. And, uh, you know, so he decides he wants to do it. So we got to train. This time we're going to be prepared. We've got to do distance. We've got to do elevation. We've got to be able to do both. Because we were going to sum it up and down the portal trail in a day, which is 22 miles. 6,000 foot plus of elevation gain. Yeah, it's a tough, that's a tough one. You will see when you get to Forrester all about that. So um, we we start hiking, me more than him, because he's already in good shape, but, you know, starting to hike the PCT in the local area. Hiked up to see Todd, you know, so these are good. We're getting our legs, this kind of thing, but we got to do elevation. We got to do this. So we decided to do Baden Powell. Now, I've been to Lamel Springs. And I say that with sarcasm because my nephew came out from I Rhode Island. Oh, I was there too. Did you hike Lamo Springs with us? Lamo Springs. Lamo Springs. With Wesley. With Wesley, my nephew. And we're looking for something. It was hotter than hell down here. It was like 115 down here. And we just wanted to escape the heat. We thought we'd go up into the mountains. And um, so we picked this destination, Lamo Springs. It had this wonderful sound to it. We're going to do this hike. So now you are all so grateful. I hear hikers talk about it. Oh, did you see Lamel Springs? Oh, that was wonderful. We get there. We hiked all these miles for this rusty pipe with a trickle of water coming out. We're like, this is our destination, mind you. you know? Not good. So that's as far up Baden-Powell as I had been with Lamel Springs. So he'd never been up there before. So we picked this beautiful June day. There were actually hikers here we left behind. We went up for the, took a Monday, and it is glorious. And as we're starting up the trail, these firefighters who were training is most impressive. They're wearing full turnouts, the, the, all their gear, axes, shovels, uh, hoses. They must be carrying at least 60 pounds apiece. And they'd obviously already been up the trail. They were coming down, and it was really impressive, you know, to see these guys coming down, just going, Wow. So uh, we continue on up, and somewhere about a third of the way up the trail is this little piece of paper. And I pick it up. It's like a little notepad-sized thing, and on it, it's a pre-printed deal. It's obviously the roster for the fire department, and it's got all the firemen's home numbers, and I can tell because it's got their titles, you know, battalion chief, the captain, the engineer, da-da-da-da. I'm just going, oh, my God. This is worth money to my single friends, you know, and I stick it in my pocket. <laughs> this is too good. So, whoa, what a fine. This is awesome. So we make it past the turn to Lamel Springs. We, we go on up to the top of the mountain. It is beautiful up there. We're just having the time of our lives. 
butterflies and ladybugs and sunny skies you see forever. It, great big logs were laying on there, just having a grand time. And we knew that the hikers had camped there. There's right at near the very summit, there's some places that are just perfect for camping. You know, you can see a little fire ring over to the side. It's nice and sandy. It's out of the wind. Oh, it's so nice. So we figured our, our, the, the hikers have all been here. You know, some of them have probably camped here. All of our friends have passed through this way before they got to us. So it's totally awesome. So we spend the afternoon, and it's time to turn around. And there's this low shrubbery kind of growing. And I don't know why it's kind of stunted, maybe, because it's on the mountaintop. But it's just low. And there's these little paths that go through it where animals and people have worn just sort of weaving through this. So he starts through. He's leading. He starts through. And in the shrubbery, he sees something, and he just kind of kicks at it with his foot. And it's a piece of paper. Well, he's not interested. But after the last piece of paper episode, I was really interested to see what was on this. So I pick up this piece of paper, and it's got notes on there about somebody's elevation gain and their timing from Baden-Powell up. But the really freaky thing, and it still freaks me out to this day, was that on this piece of paper was our names, our address, our phone number, and the directions to our house. And I'm like, oh my, oh, oh. You know, how can this be? And I knew how it got there, but that was the weird part. It was that we found it. That was really strange. Our address is probably floating around in bushes all over the place. <laughs> But we happened to be on the top of this mountain someplace we'd never been, and this big accomplishment for us to be there and to find that. It was like, whoa, this is really awesome. We have made it. (laughs) Our names are on the tops of mountains now. So anyway, we thank you all for that, because we'd rather have our names on mountaintops than up in lights in Vegas or anywhere else. So this is where it really is. The story. Ta-da. Anyway, did any of you have any good stories? Any, any anything uh, newsworthy? We, we could tell lightning bolts, orange story. Uh, who's leaving early? Okay, I gotta get your pictures and your info before you go. I try to do that with everyone. I, I don't have a hundred percent success, but I try. So I kinda I'd like to leave. What's the longest somebody really stayed here? <laughs> Without being injured injured ten days. Um the injuries were um like about seven days tops. Yeah. The ten day guy was roadwalker. What about Yogi? How long was Yogi here for? Uh she was injured. Uh, she was here about a week. Roadwalk. Roadwalker was his name. Yeah, Roadwalker. And that'll tell you a lot about his trail ethic, right? <laughs> yeah. So chances are you stay here four or five days, you won't even get close to the record. The most we had at one time was Memorial Day weekend about three years ago, and it was between 35 and 40 people. So and it wasn't all hikers though. There was a lot of yeah. We had the guys from Randy's, which is no longer there, come down, and various various trail support people, family members, and that kind of stuff. So 
It was awesome. It was quite quite a group. Quite a group. So. Yeah. And it's all evolved. Like the clothes all started because I went out in the garage and there was a hiker wearing a tent tarp. You know, and it was like, do you need something to wear while you're doing your lunch? Yeah, just a just a tent tarp, that's all he had on. You know, it's like honey. <laughs> Let's get some of your clothes out here. So, Obviously, you need, he needed to wash everything in the pack, and I used to drive everybody everywhere. You know, I'd take all the trips into town, and, you know, it just got to be that's all I did, and it was hard to do both, so. And the, doing the laundry thing is all because I just don't want that many people touching my washing machine, so it's all just like one thing's led to another, and it just, it all falls into place. It's all just kind of happened. Now it just runs itself. It really does. It just runs itself. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. But you're also great. I can't imagine a community of people taking a thousand people from down below and having the same success rate. You know, it's just something about what the trail does to people. You're all nuts? Yeah. Well, that's it. We all have something in common. Our thanks to TarpTent.com, who supported our 2002 hike and who, 20 years later, are supporting this podcast. If you're enjoying it, perhaps you'll buy me a virtual coffee. It's just a small payment to put towards the hosting costs. And if you'd like to read our 2002 trail journal day by day on the Pacific Crest Trail, please head to PCTPodcast.com, where there's a Kindle and other e-reader download for sale. There are links in the show notes. I'm Simon Willis. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.